Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show as we review the final group stage match in the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. The United States and Portugal ends in a scoreless draw, and they finish in second place in Group B, while the Netherlands, congratulations, you just got yourselves a 7-up against Vietnam and take the group. This is Kardik Krishnayar from World Soccer Talk. Kardik, um, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. That was not a good performance. Uh, I have to admit that they seemed a little lacklustered, maybe a little frazzled. This is something that we're not used to seeing. Not saying that they weren't going to get out of the group, but the way they got out of the group and where they finished in the group, that was a surprise. Yeah, it's uh, it, uh, potentially one of the worst uh, performances. Not potentially, probably one of the worst performances I've seen from the United States in a major tournament. On the women's side, obviously, we've seen more bad performances than good performances on the men's side. But in terms of the USWNT, this is one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Somehow they got a draw. Uh, they, this is a country. I, I remember when we played Portugal right before the Euros. And I, I will say, before the tournament, I tipped Portugal to be maybe a bit of a surprise team because I thought in the Euros they looked okay. Uh, they got uh, eventually beat 5-0 by Sweden and got knocked out at that point. But they had looked okay earlier in that tournament. Um, and... Uh, uh, they had played well in a friendly against us last year. I think we beat them only 1-0 in that match. and They showed some signs of being a decent side. But prior to that, Daniel, we had played them nine times. And we had outscored them 38-0 to in those nine meetings. So you're talking about a program in Portugal that has come from nowhere and has caught the world champions, the four-time world champions, in the flash of an eye. That friendly last year and now this result. And we're talking about, uh, for those who, who follow men's football, you know, this is, uh, to put this in context, this is like uh, a first-time World Cup qualifier um, yeah, going toe-to-toe with Brazil in the group stage and almost knocking Brazil out of the group, group stage or, or, or Spain or, who, you know, someone like that. So uh, this really, even in historic terms, was an a, a embarrassing performance. And it wasn't like, you know – um, the U.S. Uh, uh, had this great game, and, 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 and uh, the Portuguese goalkeeper had a blinder, and, and, and we were uh, uh, controlling the tempo and the pace and, and, and of the game. No, actually, I, I would say we played pretty well for minutes one to thirty, and then after that, we were we were uh, hot garbage. He used Alexi Lawless's term. I, I agree with Lawless. I, I know some people got angry that he said that Portugal were the better team, and they should probably feel hard done. I agree with that. I. Uh, I, there are a lot of concerns. You know, I laid, I, I laid it out in an article earlier today about, about where we are uh, with this national team program. So uh, maybe we get right into that, Daniel, because this, this match 
There's a lot to break down from it, but there's a lot to break down from um, the, the performance against the Netherlands. Now, as it turns out, it doesn't matter for the Netherlands that they didn't beat us because they, they go on and they, 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 they win the group anyway. But um, they've got to feel like they left two points on the table against us, uh, considering uh, what we thought that night might have been an aberration, that first 55 minutes or so against Holland. In fact, seems to be the real U.S. at this point. I agree. Um, you know, the comments that were made uh, from, as you, you know, as you said, what Lexi Lawless said, um, the comments he made, I'm shocked at the comments that Rob Stone made. Uh, look, I'm not shocked what Carly Lloyd said because, you know, she's part of this program long time. And, you know, the, the Jersey girl came out of her because you're going to be blunt. And when you're blunt, it's going to hurt really bad. And, I mean, I had to rewatch the video about what they said. And here are the quotes. Uh, Rob Stone, I've never seen this program hanging on to dear life like I have seen them today. And, of course, when they talked about how Lindsey Horan, uh, when she scored the equalizer, well, before she scored it against the Dutch, uh, how she was fouled by her Olympic Leon teammate, they poked the bear. Well, all 11 bears were in hibernation when, you know, after, uh, you know, when Haran was poked in the last game against the Dutch. And, and boy, Carly Lloyd, she really laid the wood right at U.S. soccer and on this team. I made, this is what she said, I made some comments when I retired in 2021 that there was a shift Within this team, within the federation, the culture, uh, the mentality of the importance of winning has changed. What has come from winning hasn't been becoming important. Today was uninspiring, not fit. Tactics are bad. And she also said, did we see confidence or arrogance from this team? They played not to lose. Portugal played to win and almost did because... If they did not hit the post, Cardick, and Li- Carly Lloyd is correct, if they did not hit the post, Portugal, the United States would have gone home with four points, and Portugal would have been in that second place going into the possibility of facing Sweden in the round of 16. This is how bad of a result against Portugal. Not saying Portugal is a bad team. But the way they played this match, it was really uninspiring. And I'm, I'm having questions about, is it the coaching? Is it an attitude adjustment or a lack of attitude? Or is it all together? And the federation uh, that uh, has been very arrogant and uh, a league, quite frankly, and this is a wake-up call for everybody who uh, has, has argued with me the last few years, that we don't need our top players playing in the UEFA Champions League. Lindsay Horan has made the move, obviously, to Olympic Lyonnais in the last six months, so that's good, good on her. But the rest of our, 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 our side, um, look, Canada getting knocked out is a wake-up call also because Canada um, is a, it was an elite team, is an elite team, or it was an elite team. I mean, it's kind of Canada and the U.S. are in the same category right now. And uh, came into this tournament with high expectations, they're the reigning Olympic gold medalists. Uh, they have the, the bulk of their team in NWSL, and they didn't perform. They embarrassed. I mean, these were back-to-back nights or back-to-back mornings for us of, of uh, the CONCACAF Giants who have won 
between the United States and Canada, that's uh, uh, winners of four the last five major international tournaments. Both embarrassed themselves in the last ninety minutes. In the the last ninety minutes they played, and the common thread there is not Concacaf; it's NWSL. And I've been concerned about uh, what I see, the standard I see in the league. Um, earlier this season, I was writing match reports that people thought that I was an alarmist, saying that uh, I was seeing too much direct play, not enough build-up play in, in, in midfield, not enough patience from midfielders, you know, just constantly trying, trying to attack, counterattack, et cetera, um, which bothered me. But I thought, you know what, um, the elite American player, the elite Canadian player, they might be on these teams that are doing this in NWSL and not playing good football like we see at the top level in the Champions League from Barcelona and from Lyon and from uh, uh, Chelsea, Man City, uh, uh, PSG, right, the, the top teams in, in, in Europe uh, on the women's side. I thought, okay, you know, maybe our top players are still, they're still of a different mentality. But, no, we're seeing a total, complete breakdown, I think, in North America of the two powerhouse uh, programs. So you have to connect it to the league that uh, the bulk of those teams play in, although I, I guess the – the NWSL influence has not hurt Japan, but Japan has uh, uh, quite a few. I mean, Japan's team split, right? They have, they have a few stars in NWSL, but they also have a, a few playing in Europe. Um, so w- w- let, let, let's talk about the way this match ended, okay? Because we have a situation where we are the world champions. We have won the last two World Cups. We have uh, won... Um, three of the last five Olympic gold medals. And at the end of the match against a first-time qualifier who has never made the knockout stages of a major tournament, even on their continent, we're hanging on. Now, of course, there was the post, which you mentioned, Daniel. But how about um, Alyssa Nair, who I think has been shaky both at club and country level. We remember her saving a penalty against England four years ago and getting us to the final. You can't live on that forever. Right? She comes no. off her line on the free kick in the, what was it, the sixth minute of stoppage time. I don't know what she was doing. And quite frankly, right, that ball uh, took kind of a weird hop. That, that uh, um, for free kick from Portugal, that very easily could have been, ended up in the back of, the, of an empty net. Um, what is the mentality of our team that this is a team that has won so much and we're panicking late in matches? We panicked late in the match against the Netherlands, right? We were on the front foot from minute 60 to 80, and then there was a drop-off after minute 80. And in this match, I'm just telling you, look, uh, those two uh, horrible defensive errors, um, Portugal should have scored once, maybe twice in that situation. And then look at the team that has been put out there. And this is on, I mean, is this on Vlatko, or is this just a reflection of where we are? That is, that is hard to determine. But we've got a situation where um, you start with Lynn Williams on the right yesterday, which to me doesn't make much sense. But no. I think Lynn Williams needs to play, given her – you know, she's been a much better player than Alex Morgan the last couple of years in NWSL. I mean, going back to her time with, uh, with uh, Western New York, right, the team in Rochester. So, like, now six or seven years, she's been uh, elite level. She, she's obviously having – a very good season for Gotham this year, uh, better season than Morgan's having for San Diego. So maybe you should start Lynn Williams in the middle. But Flacco doesn't want to drop Alex Morgan. So he put her on the, on the right instead of Trinity Rodman, and we weren't getting the kind of width we needed in this match. 
You have Sophia Smith on the on the left. We talked about her and Horan. Horan was drifting left again in this game. It's something we talked about previous two post game shows, right? Um, although I thought I thought Lindsay was pretty good in this game. Um, Sophia Smith was not. So then you bring Rapino on. Rapino gives you some natural width, um, but you know it's late in the match, and um, I, I thought that she she served some good balls, but not no end product on the end of them. I, and this actually begs a question about Rapino. I thought at 38 she, she shouldn't be on this team. I actually thought that, but I seeing her the last 30 minutes, she's a winner. We know that, uh, and uh, she gave us more than than we were getting from elsewhere. Um, yeah, Andy Sullivan, she had a decent night, and Lavelle was good, but you can't get a, red, a, a yellow card, another yellow card. And I will tell you, Daniel, an even bigger concern. We have not played one good minute in this tournament. I, I shouldn't say that. We have not had a good minute in this tournament without Rose Lavelle on the pitch, and she's going to miss the game presumably against Sweden. Now, maybe we'll get a great break and we'll get Italy instead of Sweden. That's possible still mathematically. But if we get Sweden um, with Lavelle out, we are in all kinds of trouble. Um, and so I also – one other quick observation about the tactics uh, uh, and what's going on in this uh, tournament. So I think while Chris Drun and Emily Fox are really good at serving in crosses, um, and this is something the U.S. has done for years, and, and I, I criticized this 10 years ago for it and then – Abby went on a tear in the group stage. So, in fairness, I have been angry at this point in World Cups before. 2011, I thought, you know, we, remember, we lost Sweden in, 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 the, uh, in the group stage in, in 2011. I thought, you know, this team is going nowhere. We're playing Brazil in the, in the quarterfinals. We're going to get smashed. And Brazil outplayed us. But then, you know, we just had the, the, the default tactic, which was we had Abby Wan back up front. We had Alex Morgan playing off of her, right, who was really young and quick then just fling balls forward, and eventually the, those two will score goals. And, and, and Abby got the, the famous goal, um, and then we won in penalties. And then we beat France, um, and then we, you know, we took Japan to penalties. So uh, there was always a default setting that we could revert to. 2015, stage was really bad. I remember sitting around in the press box in Orlando with Neil Blackman, Paul Tenorio, some others, saying, what is wrong with this team? We're in big trouble. And I remember Paul saying that team is in really big trouble. But there was a change, which was Morgan Bryan was inserted into the team. Um, Lauren Halliday had to do more defending, right? Um, and then Carly Lloyd was able to go forward, and then we beat, we beat, uh, um, we beat China, we beat Germany. We, 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 beat, we killed Japan in the final. You know, a, a Japanese team that to that point in the tournament had been better than us. So um, there are always these ways we've been able to change the trajectory of tournaments when they're going against us, Daniel. We've seen it before. We got to the final in 2011. We won the tournament in 2015 after having, I think, really rocky group stages both times. However, this time, I just don't see the solution with this squad. No. I, I have to be perfectly honest. I, I, I just think this I is agree. different. I, I just feel – it just feels different. It just feels like we've been caught. It feels like our arrogance has caught up with us. And uh, quite honestly, at that point – we were saying we're not good enough in 2011 and 2015. We're not good enough to win the World Cup. In 2023, I'm saying we're one of the worst teams to get out of the group stage in this tournament. We're not good enough to win a knockout stage game. We're not good enough to get by the round of 16. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we talk about potential solutions. I mean, the one last thing I'll say about Glasgow is with the exception of, the, of throwing Rapino on, which was a logical change in minute 60. Um, and and Rapino played well. 
Uh, and we know she's going to bring it, right? We know she's a winner. Um, she doesn't want to go out like this. Uh, but the other substitutions were all either late or, or ineffectual. So Sana came on. I've been calling for her the entire tournament. Um, it was only a few minutes she was on, but she was bad in the few minutes she was on. Um, Trinity Rodman came on. And, again, that was a force change because he wanted to get Lynn Williams on the team uh, and didn't want to drop Alex Morgan. Um, Alyssa Thompson, she's not going to give you anything unless you're, I think, at her age, unless you're behind in the game and you're desperate. I don't know that there's you need to throw her on. Kelly O'Hara comes on late. Um, I, 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 this, is a, this is a tough one for me. I just think if you have O'Hara in the game, from the beginning or maybe earlier, you have someone getting in everyone's face. Um, you have someone who is a vocal leader who has been a vocal leader in this program. I, uh, I know I teased it after the Netherlands game. I think there was a place and a possibility for Becky Salbrun to be part of this team, even with her injury. Um, obviously, I follow NWSL. I, I know the situation that she, this injury she suffered in Portland. I, I believe uh, there was a possibility she could have played in this World Cup. And even if she couldn't mm-hmm. have played, I think you bring her for the leadership. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on and on, but there's just so much I want to vent about. I mean, this is, um, I know for a lot of people, Kova with the low point, and I think it was, and we had a pretty epic show that night with you, me, Robert Hay. Uh, but for me, and it's really hard on me, it's my birthday, and it's a day that almost was going to live in infamy for this program, for, the, for U.S. soccer in general. I mean, today is like, Daniel, like the, the next lowest point. I, I know we got out, but it just feels like it just feels like this is the end, doesn't it? It just has that feeling. It does. No, it really does, Cardick. It really does because you know, I mean, you know what we stand for, whether it be the men or the women. But but what the women have done, you know, a standard of, of excellence. And, you know, not just so much the cockiness, which I don't think should be involved in the first place, but, you know, confidence and the professionalism of how you go about your business. But at the same time, don't back down from your opponent. You can respect them, but don't back down from them and don't assume you know that you're going to go out there and dominate. You've got to go out there and you have to defend and you have to attack and you have to play the way we know how you can. It all started with the match against Vietnam. Let's be honest with ourselves here, Cardick. We praised the Vietnamese for an excellent defensive effort. Yeah, they were going to get scored on, obviously, but the way that the Netherlands scored on Vietnam should have been that first match of the group stage by the U.S., and they only squeaked by with 3-0. You know, I, I mean... You know, and, and when you get to the match against the Dutch and you're thinking to yourself, this is going to be, you know, a game of chess, not a game of checkers. But then all of a sudden, after the U.S. gets scored on, they fall apart. They're wilting. They're playing scared. Yeah. What is going on here? We've never seen this before. And it had to be uh, uh, Van Donk, Van de Donk who had to foul Lindsay Horan just to piss her off to score the equalizer. Because if she doesn't foul her teammate from Olympic Leon, that's a 1-0, 2-0 victory for the Dutch, and the U.S. is in deep trouble. And then maybe they would probably be going home after this match against Portugal. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and again, the, the signs were there in the, in the Vietnam game. Okay, so uh, in the first half, Vietnam, they, they were playing well defensively, okay, give them credit. But at the same time, the U.S. wasn't being patient. Okay, Vietnam, this is their first ever game in a major tournament. They don't have the, 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 the quality level to keep up with us or with the Dutch. Um, they kept up. Oh, they didn't keep up with Portugal, right? Portugal scored twice on them early and then kind of took their foot yep. off the gas. But they don't have, they don't have the quality. They have, they have the heart. They have the desire. But they don't have the quality. You are patient. You move the ball around. You go side to side. You have what was coming into the tournament considered the best midfield in the world. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I agree with that, that uh, thought anymore. Although, obviously, um, the, the closest – the close second was England, and Kira Walsh has now done her Achilles, right? So we think she's probably out for the tournament. Uh, although it didn't affect England, right? As, as Alexi Lawless said this morning, England has all these same injury excuses that the U.S. do. They're the other favorite coming to this tournament. It, it, it hasn't seemed to affect them. They've, got, they've won all three of their matches. They scored six goals today, right, even with Walsh injured. Yep. Um, and, and all the other injuries that they, they were carrying coming into the tournament. He and Mossy were talking about it, Stepman Mossy on, on their podcast on State of the Union. And that was what they were saying. Look at the mentality. England has all the same injury issues as the U.S. But they haven't wilted. But my point, my point about the Vietnam game is we weren't patient. We started swinging long balls forward, throwing crosses in, and we were playing an inexperienced Vietnamese side, so we got three goals. They hit the post another time, right, threw a penalty, and Alex Morgan missed it, so we could have had five or six goals. But against better sides, that kind of football doesn't work. Against the Dutch, it didn't work. Today against Portugal, it got us nowhere. Uh, I see this expected goal statistic that the U.S. has all these expected goals. Those are all kind of garbage coming from crosses and, and, and uh, um, a lack of ideas. Now, I do have to say, as this tournament has gone on, um, we've talked about all the absences. And I've been focused on Becky Salbrook in particular. I, I once again vented about that a minute ago. Um, and by the way, when the U.S. does get eliminated from this tournament, uh, we are going to have to have an inquest about Becky's injury and why she's not in New Zealand tournament, but uh, why she's on Men in Blazers instead, right? Um, but um, Tobin Heath is such a huge miss now. We're seeing that because there isn't, Daniel, a U.S. attacking player that can go one-on-one. And, and I mean, Tobin Heath is one of those cocky players, right? I mean, I think people hate her because she's so arrogant. She's so cocky. But she's, she's got that, that grit uh, one-on-one to beat anyone. And she thinks she can beat anyone. You know, I would, I would even throw Tobin Heath in a men's team. I think she'd probably beat most defenders in the world. I mean, she's that good. Uh, and mentality-wise, is that strong. Uh, Kristen Press is a, is a pretty big miss also. Um, so what you have in Smith and Rodman are two really good attacking wingers, and Smith is a very good finisher, and she's very quick, but she relies on kind of service and the interplay with, with, with Moran in particular um, and, and with Morgan. Uh, whereas he's can take moves that break down, and we saw this in the last World Cup in particular, even more than in 2015. So when he can take moves that break down, salvage him, go one-on-one with a defender, beat one, two defenders, create her own shot, um, or create chaos to where it opens things up for Morgan um, and for Rapino. In this case, it would be Smith instead of Rapino. But uh, she is a big miss. Mal Swanson is out. Uh, we know uh, we were going to count on her for goals. Um, but um, on this current roster, okay, I guess, Daniel, I'm making excuses again, right, about all the injured players. Um, on this current roster, who do we have that could play a Tobin Heath role? Um, 
I don't think there is. It's just any. hard, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we have all these injuries. And then I'm thinking about the lack of balance in midfield. So the lack of patience. I wrote an article this morning talking about the lack of patience in our build-up play. And then I saw later in the day Rapino said the same thing. So I feel good about that, right? Megan Rapino has the same analysis I do. Uh, same analysis of her teammates that I do. But, yeah, so who gives you that, that balance in midfield um, that Rapino was wanting that I called for also? Um, I think that would have been Sam Mewis, and she's injured. So then how do you solve that? I think maybe um, you have to uh, roll the dice on, on either Christy Mewis, her, her sister, who's kind of, kind of, I think, a poorer version of her, uh, or Emily Sonnet, who, as I said, did not look good in the few minutes she was on today, but maybe it was just a desperate, desperate time. You've got a couple of days to recalibrate here. Um, or you've got to put Julie Ertz back in midfield and, and just take a chance with uh, Alana Cook or, or, or someone else uh, at the back, um, uh, Sofia Huerta. I, 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 you know, I, I think that might end up having to be what Blasco does. I don't think it's a it, – it's hard because I just I, – I think uh, defensively we've had uh, some real let-offs. And, and Gurma – Naomi Gurma's had a really good tournament, and she's playing well. And I think she was the one defender that was really good today. You pair her with somebody new who's going to – who there is going to be a drop-off with, that could be a disaster. But I don't, I don't know, right? I don't see how – we can control the tempo of matches. Because let's face it, these last two matches, the Netherlands have had the best of possession. They moved us side to side. They control tempo, uh, except for that, that period after Van de Donk and, and, and Moran got into it and we, and we came into the game. Um, and then the, um, the Portugal game against the Portugal team. This is, so, again, the Netherlands, I, I, I wrote them off before the tournament because I think Miedema is one of the best players in the world and they don't have her. Uh, I think she's actually better than any of our players, and they don't have her. So I said, okay, the Dutch have one really elite player. She's missing. They're not going to be as good. But they were in the World Cup final last time, right? They're the team we beat in the final. They won the Euros two years before that. So they are an elite team. Portugal is not. Like I said, Portugal qualified for their first Euros last year, and uh, um, this is their first World Cup. Yes, they dominated possession. They controlled tempo. They were able, Daniel, to... Um, to really get us flustered, even to get us kind of more out of sorts mentally than the Dutch did. And um, so with that in mind, my sense is we are going to have to probably um, consider putting her back at the midfield. Now, is Rocco going to do it? Is he going to make any tactical change, or is he going to um, just try and be kind of a positive guy and build, 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 the, build, build the side up, as Carly Lloyd, I think, implied that, that he was? That's the big question, because now he's got to make tough decisions. One of the tough decisions is, do you drop Alex Morgan? And if you drop Alex Morgan, what's the reaction in the dressing room? Two, do you start Rapino? I mean, I already thought maybe it would be a problem not to play Rapino. Uh, because uh, maybe she would, she she would not be happy. But she she's been a good teammate, it looks like, uh, so far this tournament. Uh, and three, do you move her out of mid, out of defense and into midfield? Um, and if you don't, then you're looking potentially at having to replace. Um, well, if you do, then then you you move her in for Andy Sullivan 
and then you, you, you probably bring in Sonic uh, or DeMello to replace Lavelle. Um, if not, I think you put you have to play Mewis maybe instead of Sullivan, Christy Mewis, and then you play DeMello. Um, and then you would play Lynn Williams in place of Alex Morgan. Uh, and then you would uh, I go Smith and then I presume Rodman on the other side. Or you shift the formation and you play Williams and, and, and Morgan together. This is something you can consider doing. And then, you know, then I don't know what you do. I mean, um, or you play them together with, with, with Rapino instead of Smith, which is tough because Smith has two of your, what, how many goals have we scored down this tournament? Four. Two of your four goals in this tournament. But do you start Rapino, but can she go 90 minutes? I don't know. I mean, no. Daniel, this is ridiculous that we're having this. This is the sort of conversation, what I've just gone through, and I'm sorry that I may have bored the listeners with it. That's what you do before a tournament. What I just did, oh, well, if we don't play this one, put this one, that one. Uh, we're having this conversation as we're entering the knockout stage. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous, the position we're in right now. I mean, did you ever it think is. in a million years the U.S. women's national team would be in this position? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, here's the other question too, Kardec. And, you know, we got to give credit uh, to, you know, the other programs, uh, you know, who have qualified for the Women's World Cup. But at the same time, the programs who are now taking the women's game seriously, we have to give these nations uh, a ton of credit for believing in the women's game. Because let's be honest, it's been a very long time since women have been considered equals for anything and everything it's it's been improving slowly but surely but still though it was only three nations that truly cared about women's football us the chinese and the norwegians now it's everybody and yeah look yeah. what's going on I, 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 and look what's going on in england they've created the women's soccer league or the women's football league now with all these top clubs, whether they're in the Premier League or not, involving themselves with professional women's soccer. Yeah, they're not playing in the big stadiums. They're playing in, I guess, considered a smaller stadium or at least a training facility stadium. But at least it's being used. And the people are actually going to the games and they're supporting the women, the women players on the clubs. Same thing in France. Same thing in Norway and Sweden. I mean, in Italy, unfortunately, and I'll tell you more about that later, but, you know, they, the, the Italians don't consider the women uh, professional. They still consider them at a level, yet they do qualify for the Women's World Cup, which is ridiculous. But still, though, and, you know, we always talk about what goes on in the uh, Middle East. Some of the women, you know, some of these countries in the Middle East, they don't allow women to watch the matches at all. Yeah, it's awful. And uh, to, to your point about England, this, this subject came up today after the U.S. game and then after the England game. Um, and I, 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 it's been a back and forth for many years. I've seen the Women's Super League, the WSL, really emerge. I think it's a better league than, than NWSL now. Um, I think the England players uh, are, are, uh, are, are being really helped by the FA's investment. But here is the thing that's really kind of critical. Um, the Premier League has so much money compared to even the other European leagues, right, in the men's game. Those clubs are now pouring money into the women's game. We're seeing it pay off, the investment. And then, like you said, there are fans like 
I, I, I'm shocked by the number being a Man City person, the number of Man City fans that, that watch the women's team, that had no interest in women's football before City started pouring money into their women's team. And, you know, we, we've got some, some pretty big stars, including Joe Roar, right, who scored uh, for the Netherlands against us. It, 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 it's, it's, it's also increasing fandom. And so there was someone very prominent in the game today who told me, look, you know, the Woso crowd, they haven't wanted, and, and, and they, this person knows my opinion of some, Soccer Night Marketing, it says they haven't wanted MLS or some involved in the women's game. And now we're at a point where just, they're going to need that just for the resources. Because uh, England in particular, this person told me, they're, they're racing away. They think, okay, England, maybe England doesn't win this World Cup, but they're thinking the same thing is happening that's happening in the men's game, that at, uh, at some point soon England's league will be so wealthy and so prominent uh, in the women's game that England's women will have an, a built-in advantage, which, quite frankly, given the fact that the men in England have just risen recently and were kind of a laughing stock, let's face it, among, quote, big countries on the men's game until recently, the English women are starting at a much higher point already. They're already one of the elite nations in the women's game. And so this person told me, look, you know, we got to get serious. We got to just take this once we get eliminated from this tournament, which this person's assuming we will be in either the next round or if we end up playing, if we win somehow and we end up playing Japan in the uh, uh, quarterfinals, we'll lose that game. And, and, and talk to Don Garber and talk to Soccer United Marketing and have them take control of uh, uh, M, uh, NWSL, work through Merrick Paulson. I said, that is never going to happen in this country. You don't understand how bad the animosity is, how bad the politics are between. Um, uh, MLS and uh, and some of the uh, leaders in NWSL. So, um, you know, you raise a really good point. And unfortunately, we're in a position where um, I don't think we'll make the necessary changes. This affects Canada also, because Canada, remember, NWSL uh, was subsidized by the USSF, but it was also partially subsidized by the CSA, which, of course, is now broke. Um, <laughs> it has been completely mismanaged, as we as you did the show on a couple of weeks ago uh, with Dwayne yep. Rollins. That was good stuff, by the way, Daniel. But we're 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 up against the eight ball. You know, I, I'm sitting here right now, uh, just ten minutes ago, going through. Well, we can play this one. We can play that one. Let's change the formation. Let's do this. Let's do that. That sounded so, Daniel. Be honest with me. Did that sound like a show you do uh, during a tournament, or did that sound like a show you do two weeks before a tournament? And uh, if, if mm-hmm. the answer is the latter, which I think it is, right? Mm-hmm. Then w- yep. w- what's Vlatko been, been doing? We knew we had these injuries. Okay, we haven't had Heath, uh, Samuels, or Press for a very long time. Swanson got hurt in, in, in March because we were stupid enough to put her back in the game when she was hurt, okay? That's on the Federation's trainers and the physios. Well, let's just start calling people out here. I'm not, I'm not in, amused by what I saw this morning, and nor should anyone else, and, and we need to – we, we need to get to the bottom of what's going on. So we flew Swanson back on, and then she got a, a, an injury that puts her out for the rest of the year, the year and misses a World Cup. The um, South Run thing was probably not properly diagnosed in April, and it's just kind of lingered. And then right before the tournament, we have to say, oh, we, we're not going to be able to take our captain. And by the way, we're then going to have to put our best midfielder uh, or our most important life midfielder for balance. We're going to have to put her on the back line. These are all things that were probably avoidable. Okay, injuries happen. But we've had a year to figure out what we were going to do without, without Tobin Heath, and we haven't figured it out. So, um, you know, England has had all these injuries. 
Now, maybe England gets upset in the next round and then we're, we're having a different conversation. But to this point, they've had all these injuries. They even had Kira Walsh do her ACL in the second game. We come into the tournament thinking she's their best player. And they, they score six goals in the next game. I mean, they, just, they changed the formation because she's out. So this is another thing. Um, Serena Wegman realizes she's without her, her focal point in midfield. She completely changes the formation, goes through a 3-5-2 today, puts uh, James behind a front two, um, and, and plays with wing backs, which they haven't played with, right? Um, so that gives them some more creativity coming from wide areas since, since um, uh, they got their, their key midfielder out. They got Walsh out. And look at what happens. Uh, they score six goals. I don't know if Lasko, and this goes back to what Carly Lloyd said, is capable of this sort of thinking tactically, saying, okay, we don't have Tobin Heath. We haven't had her for a year. We should have figured it out. We, we, we don't have Ertz in midfield. We don't have Becky. Um, let's reorder this team uh, tactically to fit the players we have. Alex Morgan is not good anymore in a 4-3-3 with, with, with two players uh, on either wing that cut inside. She's better if you have Heath with her creativeness uh, on the right and then a pure winger in Rapino on the left. We don't, we're not playing with those players. So maybe this is not the best formation for her, so maybe you drop her. Or maybe if you don't drop her, you change the formation and pair her with Lynn Williams. But none of this has been done. We have played a 4-3-3 the entire tenure this guy's been the manager. I've wanted to give him a chance. I defended him after we lost two games in the Olympics um, uh, to teams that uh, – to, 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 to Sweden and Canada that, quite frankly, had, had caught us by that point, both of them. Um, but um, – I've defended him after these lackluster performances and friendly, saying, oh, don't worry. You've heard me on this show, Daniel, say, oh, don't worry, the World Cup's coming. We're winners. We're, we're, we win everything in this sport. We're, we're going to be able to flip a switch and, 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 and get going. Well, guess what? I was wrong about that. This is, this is just like the Germany team in the 2018 Men's World Cup. Right? They had, their cycle had run through. They had won a World Cup. They got into a couple of Euro, they got into a Euro final. They got into a couple of Euro semifinals. Um, they stuck with the group too long. There was a mire that had set it in their league. The Bundesliga had slipped relative to the other leagues in Europe. And uh, this feels just the same as that team. And as we see, Germany hasn't recovered since in the men's game. They're, 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 they're floundering about right now. And that's, um, that's where we may be headed, quite frankly, if we don't, we don't really – get to the bottom of this, because we are going to get eliminated at some point playing like this. We, we're not going to win this World Cup, and we're going to have to really assess where we are and all the things we've talked about with NWSL and with the Federation and with uh, do we need a more tactically-minded coach or a coach that's going to make harder decisions and not be buddies with all the players, which, which, which she kind of is. Um, it, it, which is, again, you know, this goes – last point, Daniel, and then I'll let you, you – <laughs> to direct traffic here. This is why I was so bothered by the way the Federation handled the Burhalter rehiring. Because the Federation went out and sought the players' opinions about Burhalter. Players who may or may not, players who have been selected over other players. This isn't the club team where you have players under contract. They went and talked to players about Burhalter. Of course the guys Burhalter selected are going to say they love Greg Burhalter. Right? And so he got, right. he got the job again. This is what happened. It's happened in the women's side. I'm telling you, the players love Lasko because he's just, you know, he's a good-natured guy. You know, he, 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 he's not going to get in their faces. Exactly what Carly Lloyd said. I've said it before, I think on this show or some other show, that he got, this is the reason he's in the job. I firmly believe that. And 
So he's not going to make the tough choices. So you have to get someone in there that's no. going to. Now, 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 of course, there is the possibility we could get lucky and Sweden, Sweden loses and that Italy isn't very, it's an amateur team and then Japan, they get a red card or a big injury and then the next team we play, something happens. So maybe there's a possibility we win four matches in a row and win this World Cup. But I, I think that that's very remote uh, possibility. And when we get eliminated, because again, I'm going to say it's a when, not an if, this, all of this stuff is going to have to be discussed in a much more uh, aggressive and open way. And once again, as I was about to say, Kardik, once again, who is at the forefront of all of this stupidity? And let's be honest, uh, the laughable governance of our game in this country, it's all on the feet of U.S. soccer. I don't care who it is. I give Cindy Parlo-Cone, J.T. Batson, um, the new guy who's supposed to be the sporting director. If you want to go after uh, Gucci Onyewu as well, because he's the assistant. Yep, Matt Crocker. Uh, if you want to also blame Gucci Onyewu now, since he's his uh, Crocker's assistant, and, fine. And, and blame him Mark, now. Mark Graff. I take Mark Graff, Graff. who I absolutely, absolutely know. I know she knows these are the problems. She 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 yes. knows her stuff, okay? And she and she she has wanted the U.S. to play a different way, right? She's wanted some of these solutions tactically, but unfortunately, I, I don't know. You know, maybe Kate will leave U.S. soccer after this and we'll get the same kind of dirty laundry air that that Ernie Stewart did when he left. Maybe she's powerless, even though she's a you know former World Cup winner and Olympic gold medalist. Maybe she's powerless within this federation to make the changes because that's the one that really gets me. Because she she the stuff I'm saying. Right now, and you're saying she's saying too. I guarantee you, she she she's good at this, um, and yeah. she knows this game, and she's a winner, and she's got to yeah. really be feeling this. But exactly. it's not. Yeah. It, it, it hasn't happened, right? There's something no. wrong internally. There is, and the problem is, is that they don't want to get out of their own way. They don't want to look and see what the real problems are because they think. They know better than all of us when the reality is they don't. And here's the other thing that I want to say. Remember back in the Canadian Women's World Cup in 2015, how everyone was blasting Jill Ellis. Everyone was going yeah. after her. Everyone complained about her. Everyone said she's the worst coach the U.S. women has ever had. And yet she changed everything around. Okay, fine. Maybe she was a little bit aggressive towards her players, but at the end of the day, she realized and recognized something's got to give, and I got to find out what I need to do to make the changes. So what did she do? She actually went to her players and listened to them. And what happened? Made the changes and went out, won the World Cup, and the, the next one in France... It was a complete blowout. Yeah, they had a couple of here things here and there, you know, a couple of miscues, but that's football. It's always going to happen because at the end of the day, they prevailed and they won a second consecutive championship. Jill Ellis actually made changes. What's Vlatko doing? What is he doing? No, He's not in making the middle any changes. Nothing. I'll tell you in the middle in the middle of the Ellis tenure. Uh, she'd won the World Cup in 2015, but remember, there had been all, like you said, there had been all this controversy. I told you earlier, conversation, I remember well in the press box at the Citrus Bowl, Tenorio, uh, Blackman, myself, I think Mike Gramajo might have been on that conversation, one or two others, 
saying, oh, God, we're done. We're terrible. What's going on? You know, this was during the group stage in 2015. Ellis has got to change things. She did change things, as you said. But then in 2017, we were running the we, – we got beat in the Olympics in 2016 by Sweden. Familiar opponent, by the way. I mean, we play them in every tournament, it seems like. Um, and um, we, 2017, things weren't going well. She started fooling around, fiddling with uh, – meddling with kind of the formation, playing a different style. It didn't suit some of our players. Some of the players were unhappy. But she pivoted again. She changed things. She, she, she started – making changes within the, the, the squad. And um, ultimately, we came back in 2019, and that is the best we have played in a World Cup. I don't remember 91, I'll be honest. I don't. But 99, we won the World Cup. But I think, you know, China and us, we were kind of uh, level. Uh, 20, 2003, yep. 2007, we didn't make it. So 2011, I, I feel like Japan probably deserved to beat us in the final. Um, and then uh, 2015, Japan was better that entire tournament until the final than we were. 2019, we were the yep. dominant team. We put our foot on yes. the we put our foot on the on the throat of the ties in the first match. We never let it off the entire tournament. There were some nervy moments against Spain. There were some nervy moments against England in the knockout stages. Like you said, that's football. That's always going to happen in major tournaments. But that was the most dominant performance end to end I have ever seen from a national team in a men's World Cup or a women's World Cup, the U.S. in 2019, okay? And we follow that up with all of this, with the, with the Olympic debacle, uh, which somehow we got to the semifinals of the Olympics. I'm still trying to scratch my head. I wonder because we were so bad in that tournament um, and, and, and deservedly beaten by the Canadians in, in the semifinals. And then, um, and then all these kind of shaky friendlies, she believes, uh, we win because all the European c- countries in Australia have pulled out, so we're, we're playing uh, um, a second-rate competition or, you know, in the case of Japan, kind of a, a rotated B team. Um, and then, so we, we make ourselves feel good. Oh, we want she believes. Um, but there's no England, there's no France, there's no Australia, there's no Germany, right? There's none of, none of, the, none of the ones that have beaten us previously in that tournament. And then, um, you know, we come to this World Cup, strutting in like we're – a hot, you know, I, I, uh, I, I don't want to use an expletive, but, you know, SHIT, right? We're, 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 we had, it's okay to be arrogant. It's okay to be cocky if you're going to back it up. We did in 2019, but, boy, I mean, we just look, yep. you know, we look a broken side. Is that the right? We are. Do you agree, Daniel? I mean, we just look mentally gedonked. And I think I – and didn't I say that in the opening match where I thought Alex Morgan looked like uh, – she might not be lasting long yeah, on the international game. I, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, look, I don't. I, I don't want to be criti- I don't want to be that critical on her. I mean, she's done a lot for the program. But let's be honest with ourselves here. How many times did she have the ball going on attacking runs, and she's nowhere in the middle of the park, nowhere in the middle of the park, or at least having the common sense or the tactical awareness to get into the middle of the park and take shots. She's either at the post, outside the post, and, or just barely inside the area, and she's taking these wild shots like there's, they're going nowhere. They're not even going in the net. They're not even troubling the goalkeeper. It's basically either hit the post, wide from the post, or high above the bar. So there's a problem here with Alex Morgan. Now, if it is the 4-3-3 uh, formation, well, then Vlatko's got to change it up. Either or drop her and put somebody else who can play that position because right now which would be Lynn Williams. Which would be, 
Right, which would be Lynn Williams. So Lynn Williams, interestingly, starts this morning, and, and I'm thinking, okay, there's a change. But then he puts her on the right because he wants to accommodate Morgan centrally. And um, so what ended up happening is Morgan uh, and Williams were crowding into each other's space. I think Williams did more with that space. But, yeah, the tactical awareness, that's a really good point, Daniel. And you nailed the first game. I know there were some people upset that, that you had said what you had said, um, given her, her pedigree. Uh, but, you know, everybody runs out of steam. Like Thomas Muller, we talk, I'm making this Germany men's comparison. I'm actually liking this comparison more and more. Thomas Muller um, was the most dominant player in the first two World Cups he played in. And then he just completely dropped off like the rest of the Germans got spied. It became kind of indicative of, of what had happened to Germany, what happened to Muller. Uh, who, you know, was still playing well at Bayern, but, but just had dropped off from the, for Germany. Morgan who has always been a better international player than club player. Like I said, Lynn Williams has actually been a much better NWSL player, I'd say now for like seven years. Um, she, the tactical awareness, you're absolutely right. The kind of runs Alex Morgan used to make, the fox-in-the-box mentality that she had, it's not there in this tournament. In fact, she's a step late or a step slow or, or, or there too quickly. That We're finding that over and over again. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, I think that this, this team is mentally – they're not mentally checked out, but uh, they're, they're, they're not mentally there. They're not mentally as tough as the Dutch or the English or, you know, any of these in Japan, huh. the teams we're talking about that are, that are looking good in this tournament, Sweden, et cetera. And, um, you know, last point on this, Alex Morgan gave an interview after the game, and she was kind of cheery and said we had worked so hard. I mean, this is someone who's been in three World Cup finals. Right. She, if, she had, if she wins this World Cup or even gets to another final, she's arguably the most decorated player in the history of the sport. And she's, she's like smiling and, and saying, oh, you know, we worked so hard and we got through. And I don't know if she just feels like she needs to be positive for the younger players um, to keep their heads up. But that was a really weird interview for someone who has mm-hmm. won so much to be celebrating a nil-nil draw with a country that you have outscored 39 to nil in your previous meetings with them. She's just trying to keep a positive uh, example for not just her and her teammates, but for all the fans, you know, either at the stadium or everyone that's watching over here in the USA, which it's wrong because everyone can see this. Everyone sees the, uh, what's the word I would like to, I want to say it kindly, uh, but let's be honest, it, it, the, the, the travesty that we're watching right now with this women's team, and, and it's an absolute travesty of the performance we've been, got, we've been given, let's be fair here, all three group stage games, because that, all three games are not a strong performance, period. Sure, you got, a, you got the right result, but a poor performance against Vietnam you had to have, uh, you know, you had a poor performance, even though yet you, you know, it took a a pissed off Lindsey Horan just to get the equalizer, just to get the mentality back in the game. Because if that that situation doesn't happen to Horan, that's a loss, and basically they just reverted back to where they were against the Dutch in the last game, even though they were they were trying to attack. But nothing came of it, and once again, you know, we are seeing the problems over and over again. Let me throw this at you because I want your opinion of this. Because you posted your comments of, on Twitter about the situation, and then once again, 
we have the situation of, well, there's no promotion relegation going on in the USA. But, you know, this is women's soccer. Of course there's no promotion relegation in women's soccer because right now you've got WSL that's considered by themselves. The USL with their Super League, you know, they've always had that, that women's league thing, but it was never considered a serious thing. For some others it has been, but let's, let's be honest, it really hasn't. And neither league is challenging each other. And at the same time, there's no other second division or third division uh, women's league in Europe or any of the European countries because, number one, they're only going to do this with some of the Premier League teams because you said, because the FA well, allowing the Premier England, League teams who are rich. It, it, yeah, yeah. So actually, England does. You're right about the other countries, but England so, does have promotion and relegation. Okay, fine. So it's, but, but what I'm saying is it's only England, but then it's only England then. Because no one else is doing it. As I've already said, and I found, I found this out, the Italian FA doesn't consider women's football to be a professional outlet. They consider them still amateurs, which is also a crime within itself. And nowhere else in – I mean, I don't – I mean, obviously there's probably uh, – And let me actually uh, point one out, other thing out, Daniel. In England, it's one up, one down. It's not three up, three down like the men. Because they you. realize they don't Thank have – it's not as – it's not as stable. So it's one up, one down, which I think is working well. I think that actually might be the model for us in the men's game, one up, one down. That's all it is. It's not three up, three down. But um, uh, I, I think it's the, – the other thing is USL is going to challenge, right, with the Super League. They want to be a, be a, a, a co-D1. I, I don't think right. it's as much right. the, 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 the lack of promotion and relegation as much as it is the, the, the poor level of coaching in this country. Um, look, I, I, uh, I think we are overly reliant, uh, and maybe this correlates to promotion and relegation, because some of the people who talk about promotion and relegation, and I, I agree with them in the men's game, I don't agree with them in the women's game per se, uh, but they make these same points I'm about to make, which is we're not teaching the technical skills. We have become overly reliant on athleticism, okay? There's this myth that uh, there, there's now this thought that, well, the U.S. was just always more athletic than the other teams. That's why they kept winning. No, we had some really good technical players in midfield. We had uh, players out in wide areas could, that could deliver killer crosses, like even Heather Mitz when she would push up from right back. I'm just giving one example. Uh, but on the ball, we had players uh, that were really superior players like Shannon Box on the ball in midfield. Um, Cindy Cohn was herself, you know, president of U.S. soccer, was a pretty good technical player, good touch, all that stuff. Now we've become overly reliant on athleticism. The last we've won these last couple World Cups, and but I've, like I've said, you had in Heath a really good technical one-on-one player. I think in Lavelle and Haran, you have two good technical midfielders. But otherwise, you've been relying a lot on. Uh, either in the in the case of Abby Wambach having a player that's bigger and stronger than everyone else, or um, in the case of a lot of our other players, just having better athletes. Alex Morgan is a better athlete than uh, I would say 90% of the footballers, men or women. Right? You know, she's just really good. She's just really fit and 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 quick and, and athletic. Um, and we've had the same thing in kind of our fullback positions. I mentioned uh, uh, Kelly O'Hara earlier, you know, her, um, uh, Crystal Dunn, et cetera. We have been reliant on athleticism and physicality. We've also had stronger uh, women uh, getting stuck in, hard tackles, that sort of stuff. Um, We're not coaching the technical side. It's the same thing, and we're not coaching the tactical side. And um, tactically, our coaches are falling behind. I think this is something – 
that uh, Julie Saudi, Kate McGrath, uh, who's now, like I said, at U.S. Soccer, so you know, she, maybe she would be in a position to fix it. Uh, Carly Lloyd, they all know this. You know, I've talked – so unlike the men's team where I don't know any of the players, right, and I'm just, you know, ass- assessing stuff based on what I see, Daniel, when you have me on the men's shows, the women's uh, side, I, I know some of these players. Uh, not not many of them anymore, not many of the ones on this team, but I knew a lot of the players on the 15 team and the 19 team and the 11 team, knew them personally, had covered them, had relationships with them uh, in terms of being able to talk to them about stuff. And a lot of them know the deficiencies that we have and kind of saw it this coming, but felt like we were all, we were ahead and we were good and we were better than everyone else and we would make the changes and we would evolve as a playing style wise, tactically, technically, to keep our advantage. So what Carly Lloyd was saying this morning, let me make this clear because it's something that uh, I, I feel and I know exactly, I know she kind of held back because she was on television. She can't say everything that we're saying here now tonight. But I know what she was saying because I've heard it and I've seen it. And I've talked to people like her. And I've talked to her actually. Let's talk to her and others about it. And, and, um, it's something that we knew was coming. And why she's frustrated is she sounded the alarm in the camp. We got to do this. You know, the English are catching up. The French are catching up. The Australians are catching up. Uh, they, you know, they, the Japanese, they've caught us. So we, we have to evolve. And they haven't done it. So whose fault is that? That's the ultimate question. I, I mean, I know this is terrible for some of you out there to listen to. I'm sorry. I've been venting for an hour. But... Um, I mean, whose fault is it? How do we solve this? It's the fault of the Federation. It's the fault of NWSL. I think that's the most exactly. places you start. Exactly. It, very true. It's the Federation's fault. Once again, look, you know, I, I would love to give I, I'd love to give the benefit of the doubt to the Federation, but they're not going to budge. They never have and they never will. It's whatever you plug in, whoever you think is going to work, and then you ride it as long as you can. And if it's broken, then you bring in somebody else and then you're going to stick with that person no matter what until it breaks. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they don't want to learn their lesson. They just don't care. They don't want to learn their lesson. They're going to allow everything to crumble in front of them, even though when they, they maybe do see the cracks in the dam, they're not going over there to plug the holes. They're not taking the spackling putty, and they're not trying to fix the dam and fix the cracks to make sure that the entire uh, wall blows up and all the water is gushing out. They don't care. What works for them now is fine by them. And if you criticize them for it, well, guess what? You're the problem. They're not. But, and, and that's the issue. And, yeah, that we and have I want to right tell you now. something about this, too. This, this, this federation is, 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 is trash. We've said this for years. The one thing they have going for them is this women's national team, okay? It's covered up everything else they've done. They can't win in the men's game. They're not competitive in the men's game in the bigger scheme of things. Let's be honest about this. As much as we try and build up all these American players and say, oh, they're so great, they're doing well in Europe, they're not competitive in the men's game. The youth national teams never win anything. Uh, they have relied on the women's national team to, 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 to promote the sport in this country, to cover up the cracks to make us feel good about U.S. soccer, to build fandom in this country. If the U.S. women's national team isn't winning, Daniel, we are effed. I'm just being perfectly honest with you. Okay, this can't happen. We can't perform like this. No. This, is, this, is, this is our gold standard. This is our cash cow. This is our everything. 
and we're going, we're playing, exactly. we're going like this. And we, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because we've let it get to this point. This federation has allowed this to happen. They have. And that's the shame of it. That's the entire shame of it. Because if they truly cared and they truly want to win, and even Carly Lloyd said it herself, and if it's not going to be her, it's going to be somebody else. And if it's not somebody else, well, guess what? It's going to be the same old situation, and it's always going to fail over and over and over again. It's not enough that we qualify for these World Cups. It's not enough that we try to win these championships on the Confederation level. It's about finally showing the entire damn world do have the players, both on the men's side and the women's side, that can dominate to be world champions and to show everyone that, yes, this is the next area where we are going to be raising that little golden trophy. The next Men's World Cup will be here sharing with Canada and with Mexico in nearly three years' time. Until we get there, we're still going to be asking questions. And if they're not going to get answered, then it's going to be a failure. And then what's going to happen is Greg Berhalter, okay, they'll barely get out of the group. And then we're going to lose again in the, in, the, in the second round of a World Cup as hosts because it's just not good enough. But for U.S. soccer, yeah, we got out of the group. It's fine. No problem whatsoever. But still, though, there is a problem because we're not advancing deeper. Right now, the only person who has that mentality or at least had that opportunity and did so, Bruce Arena. And until we get another Bruce Arena type of head coach – for this national team, it's not going to happen because why? Because U.S. soccer will continue to never get out of their own way, and that's the huge problem we have right now, not just for the men, but now for the women. Kardik, as always, thank you for joining me tonight. I'll definitely have you on for the next uh, post-match show or next review show for the next Women's World Cup match for the United States, and hopefully Flatko will understand what his problems are and he'll make those changes, but thank you once again. Yeah, thank you, Dan, and hopefully it's not our last show of this tournament. I suspect it will be, unfortunately. Yep, uh, and if it does, hey, well, there's nothing we can do about it. All I want to do is lament and yeah. uh, complain. But yeah. thank you again, Carter. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, and that's Carter Krishnaya from World Soccer Talk, as well as beyond90.substack.com. I join with him at beyond the 90 as well, writing articles. Uh, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me tomorrow night. Robert Hay of also from World Soccer Talk. Join me and a DC United reporter as we talk about another another mishap of Taxi Fountas and the uh, the next uh, verbal miscues this time against a teammate at DC United. Once again, for Carter Krishnar, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for listening to me tonight, and to us tonight, excuse me. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now. Talk to you tomorrow night.